Hello, welcome back to Rachel Sermani's Finger That Points to the Moon podcast. I'm happy to be speaking to you. Again, it's taken me a wee moment to get myself together today, to get it, to get myself speaking, and of course it feels really great to be finally doing it. But sometimes we just, don't know, you just need a wee push in there. Um, and today we're looking at rule number eight of Sister Carita Kent's Enduring Rules for a Creative Life. And this rule is... Don't try to create and analyse at the same time their different processes. I refer to this rule probably the most of all of the rules when I'm in workshop settings and I remind myself of it um, myself all the time as much as is possible. I like to speak a lot, I think you will have gathered, about the inner critic. This guy... <laughs> Or gal who pops up and has words that we think are very rational to say about our creative process. Um, and, and I've probably given a bad image to the inner critic because the truth is, it is the analytical mind. And, and in balance, in its illuminated form, it is a really, really amazing and handy and, and fundamental to tool um, in the creative, in the holistic aspect of the creative process. However, it's almost like, I think about it like as, as feminine and masculine energies. So the feminine is all the creative, all the flow, all the bursting, juicy, flourishing, burgeoning, blossoming, of, of dream, and the masculine is the the holding, the containing, the structuring, the architecture, the shaping, the forming, the protecting, the boundary, and these two um, are very important to each other as a union and um, as energies. But when you are beginning a creative project or process, you really don't want um, the rational, structural uh, architect, uh, practical, pragmatic mind to get too involved. What you want to do is you want to be as much the dreamer as is possible and to expand beyond what what is possible, what you think is possible, and to feel free to cross boundaries, feel free to take risks, feel free to go beyond the horizon, etc. Lots of wee images there for you. Th that part of the creative process of creating things is so important to feel like you are off the lead, that you are boundless and boundaryless. So yeah, just just remember that, I guess, is what I'm saying is that when if you're about to start a creative project, give yourself like the space to to dream and dream bigger than you you know, big. Dream dream expansive. Um try and dream without limits. 
and and create from there. And then later on in the process, we call in the analytical mind. We start to bring in the practical, the rational, the structural. And this is really, really important that we do this. Depending on where I'm at or where someone I'm helping um, in their process is at with their creative uh, with their creations, we will start to utilize the analytical mind for for good. So at this point, usually say you've you've written your song or maybe you've got four songs and you are going to make an ep or maybe you've got 10 songs and you're planning to go into the studio or you know whatever or you've painted a, a whole series of paintings or oh my gosh there's so many examples let's just keep it <laughs> let's keep it minimal and you can interpret it as you will um See, that was my analytical mind getting involved there. And he was like, look, just reduce it down, keep it minimal. And I think this is a classic cardinal trait of my analytical mind is always to minimize. Once we've, once we've gone all out um, with all the tendrils and tentacles and s based ourselves way out um, and layered and layered upon layer of all sorts of instruments or ideas, it's a question of minimize, reduce. And one thing I like to rem like the the particular phrase I like is "kill your darlings," which I can't remember where I heard it from. I definitely think it's a a writing analogy. Kill your darlings. Basically, your favorite part often has to go. <laughs> um, I learned often. I learned quickly that when I had a a new song, it would be my favorite song, and I would when I performed it, I would usually like go round and round whatever the guitar riff was million and one times at the start and at the end um, and over time as I performed it I realized that a lot of that rep repetition and the multiple um, rotations of the intro or outro or chorus were uh, negligible they didn't need to be there they weren't serving the song and it's there that the analytical voice your inner critical is so handy because cause we're it's it's there to serve the song at its best and and this is and it's important that we keep our eye on that that we center what we're really trying to project and I was speaking to someone recently and we were talking about how we were talking about the length of a song and how there had been a mentality around one of the songs that she had written and how they almost wanted to rebel against the three minute rule of um, if you get if you want to it to be like a conventional song or a, have potential to be played on the radio. You've got this classic thing of like it should be three minutes or less and you should hear the song. You should hear the words of the song. Um less than 30 seconds into the tune blah 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 now I made a voice because I think that that is funny 
but also it's absolutely true that's what the radio looks for and um and often that that's what catches people um that's what catches their ear catches my ear all the time so it's it's a it's a true and tested formula in many ways the trick is to not rebel for the sake of being cool or um for rebelling against the status quo and and rebelling against convention by making your tune nine minutes long. It's it's about um, being able to know what's right for the song, in my eyes. So if it serves the song, that it's nine minutes, then of course it should remain that way. But if it actually suited that you cut down and you didn't, improvise so much over certain parts or um, you left the nine minute to a performance situation and the recording was a little bit more punchy there's there's no y- you have to also be aware of of the image that you might be trying to save which isn't about saving the song or serving the song but more about being a rebel does that make sense so Yes, there's no need for your song to be three minutes long if it's just for sake of it being a radio. If you want it to be played on the radio, then there's a good, good chance you should make it three minutes or less, apparently, a lot of the time. Um, that's great. If it, but if, if you wanted to reduce the song to three minutes or less just because it served the song better. Um, I would just say, like, don't let your ego get in the way and be like, well, that means that I'm conforming. Because it can go both ways. And, yeah. I hope I'm making sense. Essentially, there's a time for creating, boundlessly, and then... Once you've created, once you've got your piece of music, of song, of art, you then turn to it with your sculpting, sculptor eye and you ask what's necessarily, what's necessary and what is unnecessary within it. And this is a brilliant, brilliant and really fundamental process, I reckon, to the creative uh, process and I I work with it. We work with it all the time, um, but it's nice to just simply differentiate and delineate. They are two different processes. Yeah, I think this is a really simple one, but but comes I come to use it or to remind people of it and remind myself of it all the time. So may this podcast be a reminder for you. Don't try to create and analyze at the same time. They're different processes. Thank you, Sister Karita Kent. And thank you so much for listening. Again, this is a nice wee snippet one. A whole, nearly just 10 minutes long. Um, So thanks for listening and I'll speak to you for the next episode in the near. After the last episode of this series has been released, I'll be hosting a number of online workshops on the art of writing song, as I have known and grown with it. 
This experience won't be about writing a radio hit, though you might. It'll be all about cultivating confidence and creativity and feeling empowered in your own expression. The way I've always worked is through the exploring and cultivating of both my spirituality and creativity. The two are symbiotic, both require courage. Their union has been the lens and toolkit through which I process living here on Earth, so you can expect to be hearing from my expertise and experience in both realms, that of creativity and that of spirit. There'll be creative writing exercises, drawing exercises, exercise exercises, as in stuff to do with your body or what is available to you in your own body. There'll also be focused moments where we work with the voice and practice strengthening that lovely center of expression and communication. There'll also be meditations to encourage the flow of creative juices. For each workshop, there'll be 13 safe spaces. Having only a small number of people on the course will mean I get to give you lots of individual attention and attune the whole workshop to the needs of whoever's in there. You might be a veteran in the art of song or completely without experience. All you need is curiosity. Curiosity keeps you open so the magic of creativity can come in. Tickets are on sale now. To choose your preferred weekend and take leap into play, go to my website at www.rachelsermani.com. You'll find the link in the podcast description. I'm really excited for this. Guiding people in their creative process is something I love to do and have been working my way up to doing more of for a few years. It's so important to me that everyone feels welcome in the world of expression. Artistry belongs to all. Creativity is a life boy. It keeps one afloat in a wild sea. I feel like the more you're able to explore and express yourself, the more alive you're able and willing to feel. So maybe see you there.